Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you are altogether lovely and altogether worthy. And you are wonderful to us, Lord. We just thank you for the gift of your Son. What a precious example he is to us as a father and as a son. Lord, speak to us today through your word, the Holy Scripture, and through Randy as he preaches today. Let his words be your words. And the lessons that you have to teach us, help us become a better husband and son and friend and just better people who seek to know you more with everything that we are, our heart, soul, and mind, to pursue you, Lord. And we thank you for the gift of today and the gift of your Son. And it is in his name that we pray. And all his people say, Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Um, happy Father's Day. Uh, let me see a show of hands. All you fathers in the audience, raise your hand. Very good. Very good. Very good. Anybody who's, who's ever had a father, raise your hand. Good. Very good. Excellent. Um, fantastic. Well, you know, thank you for choosing to spend a portion of uh, Father's Day with us. Wow, what a great Father's Day group this morning. How much fun are we going to have in this second of our family worship experiences together? Um, I tell you what, some of us have had great dads. Uh, some of us are great dads. Uh, some of us haven't had a dad around much or maybe at all. Uh, on Some of us may be really struggling in the area of dad. Uh, here's the good news. This morning... You are not going to hear a sermon about beating up on dad. How about that? We're not going to beat up on dads at all, right? Instead, what we're going to do this morning is we're actually going to look at the ultimate father. And the best way that I can illustrate this to you is to read a story uh, that Jesus told. It's a parable explaining how great his dad is. And uh, it's a story of a father and a son. And some in this room will know this story really, really, really well. And, 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 and what my prayer has been all morning, matter of fact, let's just, let's just add in to what Michael was praying and let's just do this. God, our prayer this morning, my prayer this morning is that what you would do is you would just allow this familiar passage of scripture, this familiar part of your love letter to us to be fresh and real and impacting in us today. God, we welcome your words, your presence, this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. Uh, jumping into the story, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of this, the estate. So he divided his property between them. Stop right here. Dads, imagine... Uh, some of you don't have to imagine that much because you may have two sons, but just imagine, if you will, you've got two sons. The younger comes to you and says, I want mine now. Now, back then, in those days, what mine would have meant to the younger of two would have been approximately a third of your inheritance. The older would have gotten two thirds because he's older, because he's responsible for taking care of mom after you're gone, whatever. But still, the younger shows up in your room and says, Dad, I know you're still here and typically this conversation doesn't take place till after you're gone, but I would like my share right now. 
it's like a slap in the face. I mean, the message that he's telling his dad, in essence, is you might as well be dead because what you have is more important to me than who you are. Let's continue in this story. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything he had in Vegas, there was a severe... Yours doesn't say that. Uh, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He is hitting rock bottom. Desperation. Imagine yourself in, in his shoes or, or lack thereof, right? He is there in the midst of what was completely opposite of where he had been. Spending all of this money, hanging out with anybody that would share the excesses of life with him. And now, looking at this pig farm, going, that's not a bad life compared to where I am now. Uh, let's see, he's feeding these pigs and he's rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad, right? And he says this, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Now let's carefully look at the response of dad in the, in the story. While he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Why did he do that? I mean, he's been stabbed in the back by the son. Why did the father run and embrace and kiss him? These words that emphasize the father's enthusiasm and the action of actually running to his, his son. Let's not miss this. In ancient cultures, it was undignified for the older gentleman to pull up his robes and run. That was not a dignified thing to do. And yet, in an undignified fashion, he runs to his son. Now, let's look at the response of the son. The son said to him, Dad... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. What is he doing there? He's confessing. He's repenting. He's saying, I'm sorry. I've blown it. Notice the father, he doesn't actually say a word to his son at this moment. Instead, he addresses the servants. He turns around and he says to the servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. Dun, dun, dun. So there's this older son, and we don't know much about him yet in the story, but apparently he has stayed home. And now he's coming back to the Ponderosa. And we engage the story again. When he came home, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, 
He replied, and the father has killed, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So, in those days, here's what these families would have done. They've got all these animals, right? I mean, that's their, that's their living. That's what they're doing. And they've got these animals and at least one of them is a little plumper than the rest. At least one of them, they are really feeding them big time. The good stuff, right? And they are getting them all plumped up and everything because there's this moment in time. It might be a festival. It might be some other party. But there's something that's going to happen at some point and they are going to sacrifice the best. And so it's just kind of waiting in the wings there. And can you imagine in this moment, this older son thinking, Porky, he's been being fattened up for my bar mitzvah, for my graduation party. And now all of a sudden, Porky's dead and he's on the roaster because my lame brother is back. I don't like this at all. And the Bible says the older brother becomes angry and he refuses to go to the party every party has a pooper and here he is and he says to his dad look all these years i've been slaving for you and you never diso- and never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me even a young goat so i could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours I notice he doesn't say, but when my brother... No, he has disowned his brother. When this son of yours comes home, you kill the fattened calf? Now, I know that we don't normally use those words, right? But we still sport that attitude. And sometimes it's spoken when we're kids, right? Sometimes, kids, we use those words, but it's not fair. But they got to do that. I didn't get to go there. I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to eat that. I didn't get to... But it's not fair. 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 Those words have never been uttered in your house, have they? (laughs) You know what's crazy, though, is that as much as we go, Oh, time out, time out, time out. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. As adults, we think it. Because we see something happening to somebody, and in the back of our mind, we're going, That's not fair. But it's not fair that they... But you know what? It's not fair that... I mean... Look at how they're living. Look at what they've got. Look at what happened to them. Or, wait a minute, I've been praying for this and it hasn't happened and that's not fair. It's not fair. But his father said to him, My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, (laughs) don't you love it? (laughs) Um, He is your brother. (laughs) You may not have acknowledged him that, but let's, you know, remember, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus tells this story so that we could get a glimpse of what God is like. It's like he's holding this 3D camera in front of his father and we're getting this crystal clear image of the character of God, the real deal. Let's look and see how Jesus shows us his father and the character of his 
Father shows up in this story. Number one, if you've got notes, kids, I'm going to encourage you to pull this out at this point. Maybe you've already colored all over it. That's cool. Apparently, on the very, at the very bottom, they've encouraged you to draw a picture of me and then turn it in in the back. Uh, I'm just going to tell you right now that um, uh, I've seen some of the images from the early services, and um, I hope you can do better. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, but... Uh, but but anyway, pull this out. And uh, the first box on the upper left-hand side there says, God sees us. That's our first point. Adults, God eagerly watches us. Luke 15, 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw. Now, I'm not going to speak things into this passage that are not here. I do not know. And I would assume that probably the father has not been like some hunting dog looking like this for the entire time his brother's been gone his son's been gone but what i will say is he sees him from a long way off there is intent at speaking about how far it is that he is looking across the horizon to find his son he is watching now this is where the parallel is not quite equal because you know our heavenly father it doesn't just stop with what Humanly, we physically are able to see. He sees everything. This father, he only saw at the point of the horizon, not beyond. He didn't see all the things that his son had gotten into. Our father sees everything. And that may, that may bring a bit of fear into our system at this point. But can I just tell you in a minute what you're going to discover and what we're going to remember is that that's good news. It's good news that God sees that He eagerly watches us, that He knows all the hairs on our head or the hairs that used to be there. He knows everything about us. He eagerly watches us. You know, we've got this little baby in our house, right? Lindley. And, 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 and it's, just, it's just fun to eagerly watch her. I mean, baby in the house, you never know what she's going to do, you know? She was like beating her chest like Tarzan the other day. And we're just watching going, that's cool. I hope she didn't pass out. I mean, great. Silas is, is making her laugh and she's just, just, she's, just, she's just laughing like crazy. And it's fun to watch. I mean, we're just like eagerly watching to see what's going to happen next. She's laying on the bed and she's sound asleep and all of a sudden this big old smile comes on her face. I know it's not a dream. I realize it's gas, but it's still so cool to watch. I mean, it's just... We're just eagerly watching, what is she going to do next? Right? And in that moment, as those of us who are parents have experienced, can I just tell you that God is eagerly watching you. That He is acutely aware of what is going on in you. It's not that He set the ball of you in motion and then said, hope that goes well. No. He sees. And number two, He loves. God is wildly crazy about us. You got to know this about God. And whether or not you showed up and you are giving God another shot, so to speak, you're still not real sure about Him and you're still checking things out and you're wondering about whether or not to take that step in God's direction. Or maybe you've had church and God in your background for some time and it's been there and it's, you've done that, but you've stepped back in and you are interested now in re-engaging church and God and what there is that maybe you missed out on or have missed. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's not about what we've never had or what we once had, but we are in the moment right now experiencing God. And no matter what it is, 
that your relationship with God looks like right now, the beauty of this moment is that for every single one of us, He is saying, I love you. I am crazy about you. Luke 15, 20. And the Father was filled with compassion for Him. Filled with compassion. He was just overwhelmed with the love that He has for His Son. That He would run undignified in His direction and wrap Him up and embrace Him. And you know, I was thinking about oh, all the musical artists that have existed, say over the last 60 years. I mean, we've got Elvis, we've got the Beatles, we've got uh, Michael Jackson, we've got Garth Brooks, we've got Justin Bieber, we've got, uh, you know, I mean, you just go on, Lady Gaga, we've got them all, right? And, and, and they've all had or have their fan bases that are pretty intense. I mean, the fans are like, wow, if they're really an intense fan of them, they score a front row ticket or they get a backstage pass or they get a private party and it's like, woohoo! And you know what? Maybe music is not your deal. Maybe it's sports. But I tell you what, all of a sudden we get to be in the locker room with the Rangers or we get to be there at the stadium behind the scenes with the Cowboys or, you know, maybe maybe it's not pro sports, maybe it's collegiate sports. You know, we've lived in, my family, in two collegiate towns in our lives that are pretty intense, both in Knoxville and Baton Rouge. Whether the teams are good or bad, those fans are crazy. Knoxville fans, I mean, they dress in orange. They look like they're in prison. I mean, it's just like, you know, you got that going on there. You got LSU fans that really know how to tailgate and they pack a stadium and it is so loud you can't even hear yourself think and the crowd is just going nuts. And at this point, if you've been around church very much, here's what the speaker typically says. And you know what? As much passion and as much enthusiasm as we throw in those athletes and those stars and those actors' ways, surely we can give God that much attention. And I'd like to flip that around for just a minute and say, as much passion as we have for all of those types of things that circle our lives, the truth is, God has even more excitement and energy our direction. That He passionately loves you. That He enthusiastically is a fan of yours. How about that? That He's got the big foam finger with your name on it. And He's waving it in your direction, going, yes, yes, yes. And you know, as crazy as that sounds, we don't think of God much in that way and how He views us, do we? And the father in the story didn't ask the son why he didn't clean up first because his compassion wasn't contingent on his son's efforts. The son may have turned his back on his dad, but his dad was still scanning the horizon in his son's direction, waiting out of love because the father saw it all and yet he loved intently. And three, filling in the boxes in the middle, God wants to be our best friend He wants a relationship with us. These words that are described here, they they describe a relationship with us. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. We don't typically do that with strangers. Not typically. We do that with those that we are in relationship with. God thinks of this relationship in this way. Psalm 139. O Lord... The psalmist says, You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise You because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. How precious to me are Your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with You. God, in this psalm, is allowing the psalmist to describe the relationship in such a way that God knows us completely that He watches us intently, that He is with us always. And this picture is a picture of a relationship, not a religion. It's a relationship, not a bunch of rules. I don't know what you thought connecting to God would or should look like, but it's not about doing all this stuff. It's not about what I can bring to the table. The Son showed up at the Father's doorstep with nothing to offer. As a matter of fact, he had spent everything and was in despair. And yet God extends relationship, friendship. That's the picture of God. Number four. And in that moment, God in this picture reminds us that He loves to celebrate us. That He throws the very best parties. Look, Luke fifteen twenty two. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on his put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, celebration looks lots of different ways in cultures culture to culture you know in, in america whenever we do celebrations you know like bir- for instance birthday stuff right we do we do gifts we do cake uh we do chuck e cheese we do inflatable slide in the front yard i mean i don't know what kids like but that's what us adults like and um you know we, i mean we, we we love parties right I, I i was i was looking at some of the traditions around the world in argentina Birthday parties. It's traditional that they pull your earlobe for the number of uh, years you are old. There you go. How do you like that? Yeah. Somebody, somebody, some are pulling their earlobes of their friends right now in their, in their family. That's good. Uh, others, uh, they actually smear uh, margarine or butter in Canada on your nose. Any Canadians in the, in the room? Uh, apparently, a tradition is to smear butter on your nose for your birthday. That's, that's great. Uh, in Nepal, they actually, this is, this is bizarre, they actually uh, take a yogurt and put it on your forehead for your birthday. Well, there you go. I mean, we, we're, we've, we've almost got a breakfast here. I mean, we're, yeah, this is crazy. In China, you eat noodles for your birthday, right? In uh, Ireland, uh, you get birthday bumps. They flip you upside down and bump your head for the number of days you are. There you go. And those of you who are Irish in the crowd, we understand a lot by that tradition. Um, (laughs) Offended all the Irish. Um, In Israel, they put you in a chair, raise the chair up, and they go up and down with the chair with you in it. And if you survive that, you get to move on to the next birthday, right? In Japan, this is cool. Some of you would be into this. In Japan, you get new, you wear all new clothes for your birthday. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. In Ecuador, in Ecuador, if you're a girl and you're 15, on your 15th birthday in Ecuador, you wear a pink dress. Your dad gives you your first pair of really fancy shoes and then he does a waltz with you. I know. Isn't that cool? 
That's really cool. Then we've also got Egypt. In Egypt, birthday parties are full of singing, of dancing. You know, as I was looking in celebrations around the world, dancing seems to be a pretty natural, common denominator as we celebrate. And you know, in case you lost track here, we're in the family worship experience. And up to this point, it's been a little, I, I don't know, boring. And so I thought we could jazz it up a little bit. And so I need some volunteers. I need some help. You want to help me? Will you bring your dad? Okay, come on. Um, let's see, I need one other. Um, let's see, who? I need, I need another son and a dad. Another son and a dad. Let's see. Um, who, who could? Oh, there we go, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, come on. There you go. There you go. Give him a hand. <laughs> volunteered by, volunteered by, uh, by their sons. I mean, what, what a wonderful present they are about to give you for Father's Day. This is so good. This is, this is, you, you guys are really going to be blessed by this. Um, have any of you ever, uh, played a Wii before? Have any of you done Just Dance before? Uh, I have girls, yes. Okay. Um, have you ever done uh, Just Dance in front of like three, four hundred of your closest friends? Okay. Okay. Well, good. Well, um, then this will be a real blessing to you. Um, here's, here's, what, <laughs> here's what we're going to Here's what we're going to do. Um, now, before, before we get them started on this, um, so <laughs> Uh, so, some of you are like, are you really going to do this? And, uh, and yes, I am, but you, you haven't escaped. Um, back in, uh, let's see, uh, middle school, I remember going to this skating rink, and I just, I thought, anybody do skating rink when you were younger? You know what I'm talking about? I, I just, and there was one particular time that I was just always looking forward to because they would do certain things. They'd call different people out. You, only the guys could go out. Only the fathers whose sons, Got him up on stage, could go out, you know. And then all of a sudden you would hear, it's time for all skate. So what I want you to do is I want you to grab a pen in front of you. In the, just grab a, pen, grab a pen or your phone and put it in your right hand. All right. Or if your left hand, your left hand doesn't matter. OK. And this is an all skate. I need everyone at this point to stand up. I know. I know. I know. We get away with a lot in family worship experiences here. All right. And so we're actually going to uh, we're actually going to not just focus on them, right? And this should, actually, guys, this should take a lot of pressure off of you, because at this point they won't notice you up here at all. Um, and so uh, here, here's what we're going to do: we're going to we're going to go to uh, to uh, dance right here. And uh, um, let's see, alphabet song? No, that's too simple. Uh, ain't, uh, ants go marching in? No, no, no. In honor of. Uh, Oh, let's see. What about in honor of, uh, where is, oh, in honor of Baylor. Here we go. When the saints go marching in. Okay, now, um, here we go. Um, so get ready. Now you need to stand. You don't need to scoot over a little bit because you're not going to be in the, uh, in the, uh, there we go. Okay, there we go. Right there. Okay, now just kind of give yourself some room, okay? Uh, and they're actually competing at this point, but all of you are going to do the same thing that's on the screen. Here we go. On your marks, get set. Uh, go. Here we go. This is it. Yes, we are doing this in church right now. Oh, no. Press A. Oh, no. Who's got the controller? Oh, here we go. Two, 
Everybody, everybody. Here we go. We're doing it. Yes, we are. This is this is the first service where a dad won. I, I knew I wasn't gonna say anything. I knew you had your groove on up here. But uh you're from Louisiana. There you go. Give him a hand, give him a hand one more time. Thank you guys very much. Thank you guys very much. You can have a seat. Wow. Wow. You may. <laughs> Are we in a party mood now or what? Why, Randy? Why did you do this? Um, to plant this image in your brain that God wants to celebrate you. That God throws the best parties. And sometimes what we do is we just, ah, we build up layer after layer after layer of junk between us and God. And we realize in the back of our mind, He is seeing it all. And we just think, I bet God can't stand me. And here's the reality, is that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, He loves you. And He's interested in throwing you a big old fat party. Earlier in this chapter, in the 15th chapter of Luke, we find Jesus describing a party that's thrown in heaven whenever someone changes their Facebook status from lost to found. Go back and read it. it it's not exact, but it's close. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, God has assembled this great cloud of witnesses to watch and to cheer us on in the race. Several years ago, I was doing half marathon in Houston and uh, I came to about a mile and a half left and some friends that had come to the race with me, one of them in particular, as I'm running, I turn and all of a sudden, there's my friend. They're in the race and they're running with me. And there's nothing on their chest. There's nothing. They're just running and they're, they're like, Randy, you look horrible. You need to stop. How did you even get this far? I mean, you got your form is awful. You may as well just quit right now. Is that what they're saying? No. They weren't. They were like, you go, you finish, go faster, and make your gait even stronger, even longer. You can do this. You only got a mile to go. And they're running and they're cheering me on. And they're like, you go for it. You can pass them up. Look how slow they are. You can do this. Because you know what? In that moment, they were doing exactly what I picture this great crowd is doing for us. They're cheering us on. 
not chastising or ridiculing. And I don't know who all makes up that crowd. Maybe it's relatives who have gone on, who, who knew Christ, that have gone on before us in this great crowd. Maybe it's a bunch of angels mixed up in that. I don't know. The, the, the great crowd is not clearly defined. But I know this. In this moment, there is a crowd that is assembled that is cheering you on. And they are doing a dance in your honor. Because God wants to celebrate you. How might that change our thought of God this week if we're thinking of Him in that way? Of Him cheering us on. That He is throwing parties in heaven when mommies and daddies and first graders and fifth graders and eighth graders and twelfth graders choose to follow Him. Fifth box, kids, you're... Your coloring in there says God gives the best gifts. And we already saw the significant gifts that were given to the returning son. Oh, by the way, who won that again? Where's the winner? There you go. It's a gift for winning. There you go. I forgot to give it to you. It's pretty sweet. I know. I know. Yeah, you can clap. That's cool. I mean... The least you can do when you public, publicly humiliate somebody on Father's Day. Um, go back to the, go back to the go back to the story, Luke fifteen thirty one. My son, the father said, he's speaking to the son that was left that did that never left in the beginning. He says, "You are always with me, and everything I have is yours." The picture of a generous God, generous with his gifts and in his response. Some of us have known generous people, either personally or just in the news, right? Some of us have been the recipients of amazing amounts of generosity. I've told this story on a couple of different accounts. I was, you know, in, in, in the throes of Baylor. In the first week of Baylor, my dad uh, dies of a heart attack. And, uh, and, and the, the remaining uh, three years of, of my education... Uh, a significant portion of that was actually paid for by an anonymous donor that I still don't know to this day. Generosity that just, in this moment still, I say, God, thank you. I don't understand how you prompted that on somebody's heart to do that. But in generosity, it was just overwhelming, over the top to me. Bill Gates. Right. Bill Gates. I mean, we think of somebody like that in the news and it's like, here's another billion to some uh, individual or cause or whatever. Amazing amounts of generosity. We see these examples of generosity and we feel them personally at times. And yet the greatest one you could ever experience pales in comparison to the generosity of our great God. He gives the best gifts. He owns it all. Everything I have, everything you have, everything Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Mark Zuckerberg own, He has it all. And He's made a way for us to be in His family. And some of you may be asking the question, but if God is so generous in His gifts, then why hasn't this happened? And maybe it's about job or family or health. But there's questions in your mind turning right now because you haven't necessarily 
experienced that generous God lately? I, I want to come back to that thought. Hold on with me for that. But there are some verses that I want to get to that are critically important to understanding the generosity of God. You know, here's what's crazy. You know, in, in John 10.10, 10, it's defined who's generous and who's not. It says the thief ki- uh, comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ has come that we might have life and have it to the fullest. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. He poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. 1 John 3, 1, How great is the love of the, the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So God wants to pour on these gifts of love and forgiveness and grace and so many more. And He not only has the ability to do it and to take care of all of our needs, but He wants to. And maybe the prayer that you're thinking about right now to God, the communication to Him looks something like this. I'm hearing that, God but I've still got these questions. And I don't know if it's about timing or if it's about, I don't know what it's about, but there's something that seeped in that maybe, just maybe, mom, dad, maybe you've questioned God's heart a little bit. Um, I've got got a a close friend of 27 years who is at a hospital right now in Baton Rouge, Louisiana with his wife that he met in kindergarten. They've only dated each other. I did this the first two. And he's saying goodbye to her. Stage four, cancer. And there's lots of prayers that are being prayed, and there's lots of, oh, wow, you know? What's going on, God, right? And he is standing as strong as you can think that someone would in that moment. And we get into those moments and we're like, but God, why? Why not? Why didn't you give me this gift? Why didn't you do this? And in the back of our mind, the tape plays, but God, it's just not fair. And I want you to fast forward now or go back with me again to the story one more time. Because in this moment of the story, I want us to look at some wording that's used. Because when the older son approaches the father and throws the pity party about why didn't you give me the young goat, there's a word that's used in that moment that's not used in the rest of the story. You see, the word for son that's been used up to that point is the word huios. Son. But in this moment, when this son is in the midst of his pity party, is in the midst of it's not fair mode, the father embraces him with the word technon, which is another word to address a son, but it's with great affection. And isn't it amazing that in this moment, we find the father emotionally wrapping his arms around the son that's having the difficult problem of life not being fair and saying, I love you. 
As a matter of fact, in the verse after that, it says, not only do I love you, son, but here's the deal. The reality is, you've always had access to me. You've got it all. You've got everything at your disposal. Forget the young goat. And sometimes what we do is we're like, well, I don't, I don't experience these gifts that you're talking about, God. And, um, and I, 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 I don't feel like you're really wanting to do anything for me. And there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this bridge that has not been built. It's broken between us and God. And it's because quite often what's happened is, you see, we've kind of turned around. God didn't turn around, by the way. The father in the story didn't turn around. But we as son, we turn around and we do our own thing. And then we go, but God, why? Why don't I experience your gifts? And God's like, well, wait, you've got all access to me. As a child of mine, whenever you're walking in my spirit, when you're connected with me in that relationship, don't you know that I want you to to experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. I want you to experience purpose in life. I want to give you all of those things within that relationship. It's not broken on my end. I have a huge wheelbarrow full of blessing and gifts that I want to dump all over you. Will you turn around? And he's saying to that older son, it's been there all along. You've been walking in it. Don't miss it. And maybe for some of us, we have been walking in those blessings and this morning is just an opportunity as the older son to go, oh, yeah, my focus has been on that. And God, maybe that's not what would bring you the most glory. And maybe that's not in the timing for me right now. And maybe that's not what you perceive as best for me. But God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust your character because I know you see all of me and you love me intensely and you want to be my very best friend and you throw the best parties and you give the best gifts. And you are an awesome God. Will you bow your head with me for a moment? In the quietness of this moment, maybe what you would do is just ask God the question, God, (laughs) why did you want me in here this morning? What did you want me to hear? If you're a kid, you can ask God that question. He wants to show you. Maybe what he just wanted to remind you today is that he cares about every detail of your life. Maybe he wanted to remind you that in the midst of it all, he loves you. And regardless of how you feel about yourself right now or how you think other people feel about you, God loves you. Maybe, just maybe, What God is saying is, will you wake up in the morning thinking about me in terms of how big a party I want to throw for you? How many gifts I want you to walk in? That access to me as your Heavenly Father is the best thing you got going. And so for some of us, maybe that access has been broken. And the answer for us this morning is turning around 180 as the young son did and saying, will you forgive me? Will you restore this relationship? Father, 
Help me walk with You. God, thanks for this morning. God, Your love, Your passion, Your pursuit of us. Thank You that You love us and that Your love for us is unconditional. God, may each one of us leave today knowing that You are crazy about us. And God, we're thankful for that.